In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus to conduct the census of the Roman world. This was the first census that took place when Quirinius was governor of Syria. So everyone travelled back to their original hometown to register, including Joseph. He went up from Nazareth to Galilee, to the city of David, which was called Bethlehem in Judea, because he was from David's family line. He took Mary, his fiancée, with him to be registered and she was pregnant and while they were there in Bethlehem the time came for her to have the baby and she gave birth to her firstborn son and because there was no room for them in the inn she wrapped him in strips of cloth and used an animal food trough for his cradle. In that part of the country there were shepherds who stayed out in the fields at night to keep guard over their flock. Without warning one of the Lord's angels appeared to them and they, and their blinding brilliance of the Lord shone all around him, them. Then they were terrified. But the angel said to them, "Do not be afraid. Listen, I am here to bring you news of great joy, which is for all people. Today a saviour has been born to you in the city of David. He is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find him a child wrapped up in strips of cloth and lighting in the fruit." Suddenly there appeared with the angel a vast company of the heavenly armies praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth among those whom he is pleased. Merry Christmas everybody and welcome to uh, to church. It's uh, great to have you with us. A very warm welcome to you, uh, especially if you're visiting us today. And uh, we trust that your time here will be a great encouragement. Just a couple of housekeeping matters uh, which might be helpful to some people. Uh, If you're not familiar with this uh, uh, building, there is a a cry room uh, for um, uh, little children just through uh, that side entrance there, a little room just uh, behind where there's a speaker that goes through. You You can hear the service and there's a few toys there for kids as well. Uh, any nursing mothers, there's a room off to the side there where you can have some privacy. And uh, in case nature calls, uh, there's a, um, some bathroom facilities in the back of the hall. So I uh, just uh, thought that might be some practical um, information uh, for you. Well, it's, uh, it's great to be in this Christmas season, isn't it? Um, it's a, a very special time of the year. And uh, something I've noticed over the last few weeks is that uh, the media has been reporting what they call, and I quote, the sad annual tradition of destroying Christian depictions of the birth of Jesus Christ. Um, Apparently it happens every year. They're not saying that there's a sudden upsurge in this or anything like that. But around Australia and in various parts of the world, what's happening is that people are vandalising nativity scenes. Uh, There was a case just here in Port Macquarie of that happening uh, during the week, which was reported in the local media. But uh, in other places, uh, there's been a a church uh, in a little town just near Mackay in Queensland where apparently they had some very offensive graffiti was sprayed all over their nativity scene and the uh, little figurine of Mary was stolen. Uh, Also in Queensland, in Rockhampton, uh, vandals, it was reported, wrecked a life-size nativity scene 
only hours after it had been completed. Uh, ABC News reported that in Colac, which is a little town on the Great Ocean Road in Victoria, that figurines of the manger, the baby Jesus, the shepherds, uh, were all smashed and uh, one of those figurines was then used to smash a windscreen of a car nearby. So that's what's been happening around Australia, across the Pacific in good old US of A, where they always do things bigger and better than here in Australia. Uh, the churches have their own drive-through nativity scenes, and it's been reported that the drive-through nativity scenes have been demolished and figurines have been stolen. Uh, a nativity scene in a church outside a church in Texas had red paint, red paint splattered all over the figurines. Now, the Americans are a lot more technologically savvy than we Aussies are, and uh, so what they are doing is they've turned to technology to protect their nativity scenes. Uh, not only are we talking about um, video cameras and so on, but uh, we're talking about GPS tracking devices being inserted inside the nativity scene figurines. So if you knock off their little statue of Jesus or Mary, the satellites will track you down and you will be caught. Now I reckon it's understandable that people are outraged at this, uh, these senseless acts of vandalism. Uh, some people have said that uh, it has uh, caused them to to lose a bit of faith in human nature. Uh, others have said that this is the exact opposite of the true message of Christmas. I want to ask this question this morning, is that true? Is it true to say that the destruction and the theft of symbols of Jesus, that that is the exact opposite to the true message of Christmas? Or, and I put this to you, do these acts of vandalism actually help us to understand a little bit of what the true meaning of Christmas is all about? What does the birth of Jesus tell us about the true state of human nature? What sort of a world was Jesus born into? Now, over the centuries, our culture has sanitised the, uh, uh, the, the Christmas story. And uh, in doing that, I think what we've done is we've lost the sense of the very basic, the very earthy, indeed the unattractive um, situation that Jesus was actually born into. Uh, Jesus' birth is recorded uh, for us in that section of uh, Luke's Gospel that Alyssa read to us earlier on. And you, you might, actually, might actually help you if you had that open in front of you. It's on page 11. It's uh, Luke chapter 2, and in that section of uh, Luke's Gospel, we read a little bit about Mary and Joseph. Uh, we read that in many ways that they are a very ordinary people. Uh, Joseph was a tradesman, blue-collar worker. He was a chippy, a carpenter by trade, and uh, he was engaged to his uh, fiancée, Mary. Being engaged in the in the ancient world, by the way, meant a bit more than what it does today. It was, uh, was almost tantamount to marriage. In fact, if you were to break an engagement, you'd have to actually get a, get a divorce. And Mary was about to give birth. Now, without going into the details of that, she was 
pregnant under some very cer special circumstances. Uh, the, uh, she was in fact a virgin. And the Bible tells us that the child that was growing within her was conceived uh, not by Joseph, uh, that he was an upright man, but in fact by the Holy Spirit. And this is what makes this birth so very special. Now, at that time, the world was ruled by the Romans, or at least the Mediterranean, the Middle East, parts of North Africa were ruled by the Romans. And they wanted to do a head count of all their people in their empire. And so the idea was that every man was to return to his place of birth, to his family's town, uh, where he would be counted. Um, Joseph's family town was Bethlehem because that was the city of King David and, uh, and Joseph was actually in the genealogical line of King David. Now, I don't know if you've ever uh, been on a trip or gone away on a holiday thinking that you're just going to sort out some accommodation once you arrived and you've gotten there at about uh, dinner time and uh, you've started to see these no vacancy signs on all of the motel. Anyone experienced that before? You've been, put your hand up if you've been in there. It's not a really nice situation. You kind of get this sinking feeling that uh, this is not quite working out the way that you'd planned and you end up in some dingy place that you'd never choose to. Well, Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph, ended up in a pretty dingy place on that particular night because uh, Bethlehem was chocker and uh, the, um, uh, or there were you know, no vacancy signs all over the place. And they ended up having to sleep in a cow shed. Now, I've slept in some pretty dingy places, but I've never had to sleep in a cow shed. It's not ideal, is it? And to make uh, matters much worse, this was not a particularly pleasant situation because uh, when they got settled in the cow shed, Mary starts having contractions and the baby is born. So what we see there is that Jesus was born into a place which stunk of uh, straw, of manure, of all the kind of the animal kind of smells. And then he was placed into a manger. Now, the nativity scenes that I've seen kind of dress up the manger and make it look like the kind of place would be really nice for the little baby Jesus to be, to be lying in. But did you notice when Alyssa read the passage from uh, Luke's Gospel that they didn't use the word manger, did they? They used the words feeding trough, right? What is a manger? It's a feeding trough for cows. That's what it is. Now, I reckon it's a pretty awful place to put a newborn baby. But Mary and Joseph, they didn't have any choice. Now, there were some other pretty ordinary people that uh, were spoken about in that passage as well. And they were the shepherds. Again, I think with uh, the whole Christmas thing, uh, you know, we've got this picture of the shepherds of being, you know, it's a nice sort of pleasant kind of job to have. You know, you get to be out in nature and under the stars and looking after these little sheep that go bar and all that sort of business. But that's not the case. This was not a high status job. This was a very lowly job. Shepherds were looked down upon because this was a tough job. This actually involved sleeping out in all the elements in all sorts of different places and protecting the, the sheep. Uh, and you, the kind of people, they, they, they're protecting sheep from, from wolves, from savage wolves and from thieves. So this is not particularly glamorous sort of job uh, to be involved in. It was a tough job. 
And we read about these shepherds because what they experienced, although they were a pretty ordinary kind of blokes, they experienced something very extraordinary on that particular night. And uh, I want to just read that for you again. If you turn again to page 12, and uh, just starting at the third paragraph, let me read this again just to refresh our, focus our minds on it. It says, And while they were there in Bethlehem, uh, sorry, uh, the third paragraph, in that part of the country, there were shepherds who stayed out in the fields at night to keep guard over their flock. Without warning, one of the Lord's angels appeared to them, and the blinding brilliance of the Lord shone all around them. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Listen, I'm here to bring you news of great joy, which is for all people. Today, a Saviour has been born to you in the city of David. He is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a food trough. Right? Now, when people say that someone's behaviour has reduced their faith in human nature, well, what are they saying about human nature? seems to me that they're saying that they have assumed that human nature is basically good. And, and that's why they get disappointed when people do bad things, uh, like um, steal and vandalise nativity scenes. Right? There's something in human nature where there's good, but there's also bad. I was looking at the Sydney Morning Herald this morning, and they... The second item on the uh, website said that, you know, the charities have received record donations this Christmas time. And then the next item was someone had knocked off someone's Christmas presents from under their Christmas tree. There's this strange blend of goodness and of not-so-goodness in human nature. The Bible helps us to understand that human beings are not basically good that human nature is flawed. When Jesus was born, he wasn't just born into an unsatisfactory stable with its stench. He was born into a world which suffers from a stench as well. And that stench is the stench of sin. Now, most people are aware that there is a spiritual dimension to life. We, uh, we go through our lives in our workaday lives of work, sleep, eat, play, work, sleep, eat, play, not necessarily in that order. And, and we know that we're on this kind of st- this treadmill, which, uh, which we're on for 80, 90, maybe a few more years than that. And we look at the, the world around us and we consider our own lives and we think, well, this can't be all that there is. There must be more to life and we see in the, in the things around us, in nature, that there, that there is design, that things are so intrinsically beautiful uh, that there is a designer who has, who has made these things and who has made us. Well, the Bible tells us that these things are made by God, that uh, God is the unfathomable genius who has created our universe, and that God is a spiritual being. He's a spiritual being who has created us human beings as someone as very special. We've been made in his image. We've been made as his very special creation. Each one of us 
has been made to live in a relationship with our Creator. Now that night out there on the pasture lands, under the stars, those shepherds caught a glimpse of the spiritual reality. For the heavens opened and an angel appeared to these shepherds. Now what did the angel say about the baby born in the cow shed? He said, I've got some good news for you. A saviour has been born. He is Christ the Lord. Now, before Jesus was born in another part of the Bible, we're told that uh, Joseph was spoken to by another angel who told him that Jesus, the baby, would save his people from their sins. Now, how can that be? And what does it mean for Jesus to save us from sin? Uh, A few days ago in the Sydney Morning Herald, there was an interesting story about an Australian man who 40 years ago borrowed five pounds from someone. Did anyone see that story? An interesting story because it was a good news story. Uh, this, this, This Aussie guy was a young backpacker in 1967 and he was backpacking around Europe when he did something that I guess happens to a few backpackers. He ran out of money. And uh, he needed five pounds to buy a ferry ticket to get him across to some other place where he could get some money. And a very kind Englishman lent him the five pounds. The Aussie took down the guy's name and address and said, look, when I get to England, I'll pay you back your five pounds. But he didn't. And for 40 years, the debt was outstanding. Now, this is, the reason it was in the paper was because a few days ago, just last week, this Englishman uh, arrived back at his home uh, uh, just last week and there was a little parcel on the doorstep and he opened up the parcel and there was a note in it and also there was £200 in it as well. £5 for every year that the debt had not been repaid. Uh, the guy was astonished. Uh, he remembered lending the five pounds out and this is what he said to the reporter he said this was a lovely gesture 40 years is a long time and it must have been preying on his mind that he hadn't repaid his debt how about that imagine that gnawing away at you for 40 years that you owed a bloke five pounds now friends the bible teaches us that we all have a lot which we're indebted to god for i mean we owe him every breath of life Fortunately, we don't have to pay him back that. But we're also indebted because of our sin. And sometimes we think of sin as just being the wrong things that we do, like lying and stealing and wrecking someone's nativity scene and so on. But sin is much deeper than that. The underlying problem is what really counts. And the underlying problem is that we all want to live our life our way, not God's way. I mean, we might be happy to agree that God exists, Uh, But we go through our lives as if God does not exist. Uh, We go through our life living our way, not his way. And friends, it doesn't always work very well, does it? Um, Not in our personal relationships or our community relationships or in our national relationships. Uh, We live for ourselves and not for God and therefore not for one another. And it doesn't work all that well. Some of us know that only too personally, don't we? 
Even if uh, things are going pretty well for us, even if we're pretty successful, um, our selfish thoughts, our selfish words and our selfish actions, uh, uh, they, they pile up over time. And it's because of that underlying rejection of God ruling our lives. And that becomes our debt that we owe to God. And no matter how hard we try, no matter how good we try to be or how, even how religious we try to be, there's no way in the world that we can repay that debt to God. And one day, God will punish us for our debt, the debt of our sin. Now, that's pretty bad news. But remember the angel said to the shepherds, look, I've got some good news for you guys. Today, a saviour has been born. What does that mean? Now, the newspapers aren't always very accurate, are they? Especially when it comes to talking about Christian things. But the editorial in the Daily Telegraph last Christmas Day had some pretty good things to say, which I thought were pretty true. Let me read them to you. This, this, by the way, is not what they believe. Uh, They're just recounting what they say that Christians believe. They said this. This is the Daily Telegraph last Christmas Day. And I quote, Christmas is much more than a tie for family and friends to reconnect. For, For Christian believers, Christmas Day marks the birthday of the great Redeemer, the Son of God, who came to earth to accept the burden of our sins, that we might be forgiven and therefore recover our hopes of admission to the Father's heavenly presence. I think they got that right, didn't they? Well, you see, the angel called Jesus a saviour because 33 years later, he would repay our debt to God. Uh, Jesus was born into lowly circumstances and I've got to tell you this, he died in lowly circumstances. They arrested him. He was falsely accused. They nailed him up to a crucifix. They mocked him as he died. But it was God's will for Jesus to suffer. For as he died, even as the Daily Telegraph said, He accepted the burden of our sins. He took upon himself the penalty for sin, for your sin and for my sin. Nativity scenes all around Australia and the world are vandalised each year. Is that against the true message of Christmas? Well, I want to say in a strange way, no, it's not. I want to say in a strange way, it actually confirms the true message of Christmas. Because the message of Christmas is that the baby Jesus was born into a corrupt and a selfish world which ignores God. The message of Christmas tells us that human nature is not good at all and that we're all in the same boat. But the birth and indeed the death of Jesus means that our debt can be paid. God can offer each one of us forgiveness, but each one of us has to make a choice. We can say no to God's offer. 
we can say, thank you very much, but I would prefer to keep on living my life, my way, without God involving himself. I might need him from time to time. I'll call on, on him when I do. But basically, I don't want God in my life. And that's one option. Uh, we can choose that. But what the Bible is saying is that if you choose that, then you have to pay your own debt. And that is the debt which involves eternal punishment. That's one option. Alternatively, we can say yes to God's offer. And that means trusting that Jesus, is, uh, when he was born, that he was the Son of God and that his death on the cross has paid for your sin. It means trusting that. But it means also turning to, to, back to, to God and, and loving him and starting out life afresh, starting life out anew, starting life out with your debt cancelled in gratitude for all that God has done. And that means being completely forgiven by God and receiving eternal life. Now, each one of us needs to make our own choice in regards to this. This is the Christmas message. Uh, and it's uh, something which... Uh, it's it's not worth it's it's not worth really celebrating unless it's really personal uh, to to us personal to you. It's about you and your relationship with your Creator. It's about your eternal future. Now I want to suggest that uh, it would uh, be wise to explore this further and to think more about to to learn more about Jesus. Uh, who he was, why he came, and the, his, the significance of his life for us. Uh, one of the ways of doing that, probably the best way of doing that, it's not, it's not by listening to me, uh, but a great way of doing that is, is to read for yourself about the life of Jesus uh, in one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke or John. Maybe you'd like to do that, but... Uh, Maybe you don't have a Bible at home. Or maybe the Bible that you have at home, you know that it's, uh, it's a, in an old translation, which is a little bit difficult to, uh, to read and to understand. And you'd prefer to have a modern version of the Bible, or at least of one of the Gospels. Now, if that's the case, then Christmas is a time for giving. And uh, so... The uh, book that you received on your way in today, The Essential Jesus, this is the Gospel of Luke in modern language. Uh, we, we would like uh, you to have that. We'd like you to uh, take that home as a gift so that you can read that and learn more about Jesus for yourself. To do so in the privacy of your own home, in your own time, in your own space. But to read about Jesus in Luke's Gospel... Uh, means that you're, you're reading for yourself the one about the one who is the, the true centre of the Christmas message. Now, if you don't want one of these, that's fine. Or if you don't need one because you've got plenty of Bibles at home, just leave it on the pure before you leave. That's fine. We'll collect that later. But if you'd like to take this home with you and read it, then it's yours. It's a gift to you this Christmas time. Because it's my prayer 
that as you get to know Jesus more, that the words of the angel will ring for you and will bring hope and joy in your life. For today we celebrate the fact that in the town of David, a saviour has been born. He is Christ, the Lord. May your Christmas day be a great joy as you spend time with your family, with your friends, as you uh, eat probably too much today, as you sleep it off tomorrow. Uh, Let's remember that Jesus and his coming and his dying on the cross is the reason that we can celebrate Christmas. Thank you.